friends and country, right? We know that, and you know that. But where else do you go to get the news and conservative perspective without all the bullshit? Well, I'll tell you right here. This is the Done Right Podcast. Flying the conservative flag high. No, not that kind of high. Getting to the root of today's hard issues instead of tiptoeing around them. We're tired of the tiptoeing, tip-tippity-tiptoeing, keeping it real. This is the Done Right Podcast, and here's your host, James Dunn. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Done Right Podcast. The Biden administration and Democrats ran on a campaign of unity and returning to normality in politics in 2020. This is what America thought they needed after months of race rioting in the country, which went seemingly unchecked. Conservatives held their noses high at the violence caused by Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and other fringe leftist groups and took their anger out by showing up in record numbers to the ballot boxes. Tensions heightened after months and months of media-sponsored attacks on conservatives, Christians, and white people alike boiled over into a contentious election of all time. Yet, the media elite called the election way too early for Joe Biden in a runaway. Then a great steal of 2020 happens. Evidence is gathered. Affidavits are signed. Court hearings are conducted. And after all of that, not one appeal uh, to investigate the countless irregularities, irregularities gets its day in court. America's pressure relief has failed. Every day, Americans decide to take their matters into their own hands and protest the results of the election's nation's capital, January 6, 2021. Chaos ensues. Barricades are knocked down. Windows are broken. The capital is breached. After this point, we have more questions than answers. Why was security not heightened at the capital despite intelligence communities sitting on alleged plots to overtake the capital? Why were Antifa, BLM, and other leftist members hidden in the crowd dressed incognito as Trump supporters? During the breach, why did CNN and MSNBC pay individuals thousands of dollars to cover an event that, quote, no one could ever see coming? Why would we uh, not release the alleged thousands of hours of tape from the day to get to the bottom of what actually happened that day? The answer is Democrats are down in the polls and looking for something to flip momentum of a foregone conclusion that Democrats are going to get wiped clean in the House, Senate, and possibly even the White House. With us today to discuss more of this is my good friend, Krista Hilton, host of the Drunk Politics Podcast. Kristen, welcome to the show. Hi. I'm so glad to have you. So we have the January 6th commission. I know this is something that you're very passionate about. Uh, For me, um, especially, I think what Democrats don't take into consideration with January 6th is what caused that anger and what caused that that kind of frustration that led to that Capitol riot. Um, And with more and more people in this wave of people not believing that the election was um, basically, they believe that the election was rigged. I I think the newest Rasmussen poll showed 51% of Americans believe it was rigged. 55% believe that there needs to be uh, some type of odd or election reform and 60% believe it should be harder to vote Um, with that. And we're starting to kind of see a little bit, less sympathy, I guess, for Democrats during this January 6th thing. What are your thoughts on this January 6th commission? Like, is am I wrong? Is this not a attempt on political, trying to score political points and, and drag this out? Or it can conservatives somehow salvage this to try and figure out what actually happened that day? 
Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that there's any conservatives. I don't think there's any option for conservatives to even try to figure it out with the current commission that they have set up. Um, I only watched the first day. It was way too painful to watch the second one. Um, but what I saw was a bunch of virtue signaling, um, mostly Democrats and, you know, people like Liz Cheney, um, giving us the same song and dance we've seen a million times. And I just, they're not bringing anything new to the table. It's like, you know, Trump's 54th impeachment. It's, it's the same freaking thing. They're using the same clips. And if, if they were actually trying to get down to the bottom of what happened, they would show us a variety of different clips. They would interview the cops that um, weren't being abused um, and and try to understand those clips of people just hanging out and talking and taking selfies. And they would use some of the clips from people that we know that were there, right? But they're not. They took the most violent clips they could, um, ignoring the fact that we all saw clips of people that looked exactly like the people that I watched protest in Portland all year long change into Trump clothes and do the exact same tactics. And I'm not sitting here saying that it was all Antifa, but they're not even considering the fact that bad actors might have, might have been there. They're... Um, so it, to me, they're not trying to get down to the bottom of anything. They're just playing it to their advantage, which makes absolutely no sense considering blue lives didn't matter until it was their lives at risk, right? So they felt threatened. Oh, so our dear leaders, those are the ones that need defending, not small business owners, not our communities. You know, I, I just, it's so silly to me. <laughs> can't even <laughs> no yeah I, I i definitely agree and i think what's troubling for me i guess in the conservative movement is the uh i guess the growing amount of people that are somewhat mainstream um that are calling for these commissions or being supportive of these commissions being supportive of other liberal policies do you think and i you know after this weekend and seeing what happened in trump's rally in phoenix and, and this amount of support that he got basically announcing that like hey we straight up think this election was stolen like this is no longer something he's hinted at um and still having a lot of support is is this a good strategy for these i i, I like to call them the republicans on the left like mitt romney and um adam kissinger um that are is this a good strategy for them in 2022 or do you i what I don't understand the reason why. Yeah, I don't understand the reason why they would be pulling this at all. Why did they come up with the Lincoln Project to begin with? It doesn't make any sense. I don't. I don't. Um, I haven't understood their strategy the entire time. They're not listening to what the people want. I don't think. Um, I think they're trying to save face. And honestly, the longer this goes on, the more it makes me think that they're <laughs> they have something that they're trying to hide. Um, it, none of it none of it makes sense and it doesn't seem like they're playing to win and they're obviously not listening to their constituents. So, uh, no, I, I don't think it's a good strategy. I don't think it's a good strategy for the Democrats either, to be honest. <laughs> like, 
yeah. at all. So, yeah, and I feel like drumming up Trump is only rallying up the base, I feel like, a little bit more. Like, instead of letting Trump go into the distance, go to Mar-a-Lago, golf a little bit, have fun, take pictures with people, you know, kind of get his little social media on every once in a while, it just seems like for some people who are trying to kill the image of Trump and kill Trump in our history, they just continue to seem to, like, keep him alive. And for whatever reason, I think that that's not it's doing the opposite of effect of what the Democrats are trying to do, at least, because I think that's their biggest threat in 2022 and 2024 is the the support of Donald Trump. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, It's like an addiction. They just can't get away from it. So they can't make him go away. And I think it pisses them off um, that the more uh, the more they demonize him, the more the media, you know, tries to give us fear porn about all the things, January 6th, about the election, about coronavirus, doesn't matter what it is, the more people are rejecting it. And uh, we've just watched them crash and burn over the last year and a half. And I, I, I can't help but love it. I'm not even like a hardcore conservative, but it's just, it's so entertaining to watch that they're not even trying to change the strategy at all. They're just really digging their heels in and doubling down. And it's crazy. Yeah. And so like, this is, I guess, one thing that I always, I want your opinion on because you're, you've always kind of been my more moderate, reasonable conservative friend. Uh, Wasn't always on the, you know, the, the Trump bandwagon, you know, Trump could do some wrong and, and things like that. And you came over as a Trump conservative um, for people who voted for Biden, supposedly, allegedly, right, in, in 2020, um, a lot of them thought they were getting a basically a return back to normal of like politics as is. It's not so nasty anymore. We're just going to, you know, put the old man in there. Has that image of, for most moderates, has that image kind of just died with Joe Biden that he is somewhat of a moderate? Well, I mean, Joe Biden himself might be a moderate, but the people pulling the strings are extremely progressive and they're just trying to get as far as they can in the two year window that they they have. Yeah, it's really hard to know exactly what they're thinking um, because, you know, even, even the hardest core traditional Democrats that I know can't look at Biden and think, oh, yeah, he's a real, he's really doing some moderately great stuff and he's real cognitive. Like, I don't know anyone that's like, okay, well, maybe we didn't, maybe we made a mistake, you know? Um, And, and it almost seems like they're trying to like, they're trying to convince themselves that they made the right decision, but you could kind of see deep down that they're not real sure that they did. Um, And if they do still stand firm, it's because they haven't been paying attention Right. So I was just talking to someone about the border crisis. It was like, look at what's happening on the border. Do you even know what's happening in border towns right now? And I mean, the stuff I was telling them, they had no idea. So it's like, okay, so all you hear is the stuff that selectively you listen to selectively on Facebook or on mainstream media or whatever, and you don't look beyond that, and you don't actually dig into what's going on. So I think most of the people that are still on board are just being ignorant. 
And I mean that in the nicest, <laughs> nicest way. They're just not really looking. They're not looking at the whole picture and they're not searching out other facts. What we've seen from, at least, I guess, liberals in general from, from this is like we've moved the Overton window at, through the media, right, where it just it seems like progressive policies has become the norm. If you're not part of the norm, then you're a crazy radical conspiracy theorist. We're starting to see like this um, basically calculated and um, I, I, I have no other word than conspiracy between social media platforms and the media to just get everybody on the same page like I even Fox News has even joined in on it. This is kind of something that I've been sounding the alarm on for a little bit while, but even you see in Fox News, people like uh, Greg Gutfield and, and Kaylee McEnany coming out and saying, well, just go get your vaccine. And, you know, I got a vaccine too, and it's all great and everything like that. With this Overton window being moved over to the left, uh, do you, where, where do you think a lot of people should be starting to get their information if they're trying to look for it? Because it just, it doesn't seem like you're going to get it from the news and you're not going to get it from print and you're not going to get it from a Google search. It just seems like you have to do all these deep, deep dives. Like where, where's the best place to go? You know, I, that's a good question. I watch a lot of things on like, you know, C-SPAN. <laughs> Because um, I'd rather hear it from the horse's mouth a lot of times. Um, that's why instead of listening to people talk about this January 6th commission, I went and watched the first day. So I, I get a lot of my news from that. Um, I watch a lot of press conferences. Um, and I think that's not really hard to find. It's just not a... It's not a quick synopsis, you know. People really want things to be summarized for them. And so regardless of uh, which media outlet you turn to or which article you read, it's always going to be summarized now in some sort of biased way. Um, so in my opinion, I think that we need to read all forms of media. Like you need to read CNN to know what they're telling you. And you also need to read some you know, or listen to some OAN because then you can kind of cut it in the middle <laughs> and know that it's uh, probably the truth lies somewhere in between those two. Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess as a moderate, where, where, where should conservatives be going in, in 2022? Like this whole like socialism sucks, uh, you know, we're for small taxes. It just seems like very dry and run out. It doesn't really appeal to a lot of people. A lot of people aren't business owners or not landowners or not. They don't own homes anymore, especially after all the COVID. Like a lot of these arguments that Republicans consistently make are kind of just dry. Um, and where, where, what's some topics do you think the conservatives need to hammer home on to kind of drum up people more toward the conservative base? Um, I think that we need to look at like alternative forms of medicine. Um, our healthcare system is very uh, it it could really use some serious improvements, right? And um, getting you know getting everyone to just pay for everything isn't necessarily what we need to um, 
need to dial down on. I think I think we need to do things like really take a good hard look at legalizing marijuana. I think that that can be used for a lot of medical purposes. And we've been fed a line of bullshit about it for a long time because the drug companies don't make any money off of it. And so I, I think that, you know, we really need to kind of go after that. And and this this thing about the vaccine is like, okay, great, fucking take the vaccine. But um, do you realize how much money they're making off of it? So what is the motive behind these? Can we lower our medical costs? Um, you know, putting the freedom back into Americans' hands by focusing on on making them healthy, I think is pro- it's it's huge. I mean, if you look at just what's in our everyday products, um, in the United States, they're not even allowed most of the ingredients. There's like a list of 1,800 ingredients that aren't even allowed in Europe. So uh, we're, we're, we're constantly putting toxic thing in, things in our body that then makes us reliant on the healthcare system. And then both parties hammer on the healthcare system and, oh, blah, 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 we need to have it paid for. Oh, Americans are dying, blah, blah, blah. Like, let's really dig down deeper than just socialized medicine. (laughs) You know, I think we could probably do a better job with that. Um, I also think that um, education and the cost of college, that can really be attacked also. It's really interesting that college is just another business and acts um, very intensely in a capitalistic society, but the people that don't like capitalism are the ones that work at the colleges that are charging all the money that make people broke and in debt. Like that makes no sense also. So why isn't anyone talking about that? Um, I, I think there are blends that could really pull from a leftist base if uh, if we, we stop fighting. We, we just have to stop fighting and we have to look at the things that are important to them and at least try to come to some sort of Absolutely. And you hit on a, a big, a good point, I think, um, om- almost accidentally. Uh, so I'm going to go back to health, what you were saying about healthcare. So healthcare crisis, I think, is what's causing a lot of people to be so afraid about this coronavirus and the coronavirus um, variants or whatever. Like, if healthcare wasn't as much as, you know, like, oh, if I have to go to the emergency room, I'm looking at like a $2,000, $3,000 medical bill for coronavirus. I'm out for a couple of weeks and this thing's going to bankrupt me. Do you think with healthcare reform, if we made healthcare ref- honestly affordable to the point where you can like walk in and not even have to worry about what you're going to be paying, that this scare of coronavirus would be nearly as close to what it is today? I think that it would be less. I don't know that that would solve the problems just because of the way that um, psychologically the media has um, appealed to our worst fears, right? But I think that that would ease a lot of that. That would ease a lot of the stress. I know a couple people that have decent insurance, but they still you know, had a $1,200 emergency room bill only for the doctors to tell them to just go home and isolate. Like, are we joking? I can't even, I can't even comprehend the fact that we, that our, our government has systematically suppressed any sort of treatment for COVID because if there's a treatment, 
then we couldn't give people a vaccine. Are you serious right now? Like the fact that you that this is supposed to be a deadly pandemic and all people are getting is go home and isolate. Are you joking? No, like take some zinc, have some vitamins. Here, take these antibiotics, whatever the hell it is. Have some ivermectin. Like the fact that none of that was going on in the vast majority of the country is unbelievable to me. And that just shows that I don't think our government cares about our health, to be honest with you. And so I think conservatives and Republicans would do a very good thing if all the science and all the stuff was really geared towards let's make this affordable and let's make people healthy because that, at the end of the day, is the only thing that's going to lessen the medical costs. No, I agree. And then you you hit on another good point, I think, is um, with student debt racking up more and more for each individual household, uh, government has gotten into it. And the, these people are getting degrees in which they know there's there's no possible way like they're going to be able to pay off all the student debt, especially, you know, a lot of students got out of college in the last two years and walked into a pandemic and uh, are already way behind on their student debt. And then looking at we're going to be basically lifting uh, the payments come September um, 30th for all of this and all this is, all these chickens going to come home to roost. For you and your financial background and budgeting and all this stuff, how worried are you that this becomes another big short type situation in 2008 where all these student loans are going to come to come to do and all these people on welfare right now that are on these fixed incomes or, um, you know, are trying to get back to work, but, you know, their current occupation is still closed. So they're working a job that's underpaying for what they're supposed to be doing. How much is how how worried or should we be that a lot of people are going to be defaulting on this and this is going to cause a chain reaction? Um, I think that I think I'm I'm actually really worried about it, and I'm also really worried about people's mortgages. Um, and I think that the combination of the student loans and the uh, mortgage on not only the homeowner end, but the property owner who owns, you know, the apartment complex or the triplex or the duplex or the rental home, those people are going to start defaulting too if uh, if the banks decide to pull a stunt like they did back then, um, I think that we're going to see a massive meltdown. And so hopefully uh, we can get the economy back going so that people can make their payments and they don't lose it. But I can't help but feel like um, this all this government spending and uh, all the shutdowns and everything is <laughs> some sort of a sick ploy to overtake as much property um, and make people be like as many people as possible behold it on the government. Um, I, ca I can't come to any other rational conclusion in my head because they're not doing anything beneficial to prevent that from happening. No, I, I see exactly what you're saying. And I was kind of going to hit on that point. You kind of made it before I, I was going to. You're seeing a lot of these mega corporations 
sucking up all these residential and commercial resi residences under one holding company. Um, you're starting to see, I, I know Las Vegas was starting to see, even before the pandemic, a lot of Chinese holding companies were coming in, buying up residentials and making people almost permanent renters. Um, and owning a home and owning a uh, property is kind of like the biggest elasticity in, in, in intergenerational wealth creation and, 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 and moving up um, in e economic mobility. With that, um, it, I guess what really worries me is that the problem is when we go to deleverage, it's it, there's no deleveraging from these student loans, basically. And so when all of these student loans come due, it's like, well, it's not pe people can't go broke. So they're going to start going, going broke on other things. It's going to start hurting parts of the economy that, you know, their car loans or their their housing loans and, and things of that nature. And then it's going to start causing a spike and they're still not going to be able to, they're still not going to fix the student loans, which is the problem in the first place. And yeah, this, I think they just need to be, um, I don't think they need to be wiped out, but I think that um, they need to be vastly reformed and there shouldn't be any interest. So like instead of how a student loan can get, you know, 12 to 15% interest is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Like if you want to charge some interest for administrative fees, okay, let's talk about one and a half percent, but 12 to 15 or whatever the hell they are, get out of town, especially because the government's been taking over the student loans anyways. So if you're going to give the American people some relief, at least take away the fucking interest rate. <laughs> like, um, And they need to be able to pay it off as necessary. Like, okay, maybe make it that your payment is 1% of your income or 2% of your income until you can pay it off. I don't think it's fair um, to just completely forgive them because you made a choice to take it out, but we need to reform what colleges are charging anyways. I mean, the fact that you used to be able to get a degree for like $3,500 and now it costs like, you know, 135,000 is absolutely insane. And that does not, it doesn't compute with inflation. Um, it's just another business and it shouldn't be. College should not just be another business. This is an educational platform. The uh, professors shouldn't be, they, they shouldn't even have tenure. That's ridiculous. They shouldn't be making as much as they're making. That's ridiculous. <laughs> the fact that they can try to dismantle capitalism while benefiting from capitalism is crazy. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't see a, I don't see a situation in which the student loan a crisis gets better with the government in it at all, because it just seems to me that that this demand for student or rising costs of, of, of college is always going to be consistently met when the government continues to pay it. Like there's no incentive for these colleges to lower prices. I guarantee you it doesn't cost me the $400 I paid for the calculus textbook that, you know, I had at University of Arizona and there wasn't countless amounts of writers that helped it. And the worst part is like you rent the book or you buy the book and it's basically, then they take it back from you at the beginning of the semester and sell it again for four, an additional $400. Or if you find it from somebody else, oh, well, we made a new edition, which it has one uh, piece of the homework that you didn't have from last year. And so now it's an additional $500 again. So 
I don't see it. And I guess the counter argument, I guess I make to this is like, it's probably going to suck for a little bit for a couple of years for a lot of people trying to get into college and people are probably not going to be able to go to college because they can't afford it. But in the long run, it's going to make college affordable over a long period of time. Like I, I'm paying, I think almost 40 grand for a, a private, like for-profit college, like a little community college. And I'm paying 40 grand for a, a degree that pays 70 grand a year. And it's like, and that's thank God to the GI bill. Right. Like, so, and a lot of these degrees, especially coming out, yeah, and I, like I, I don't like to pick on gender studies, but like sports marketing, for example, is another one, right? Where it's like there's a lot of people going in, getting their sport athletes, getting their sports marketing degree, coming out. There's only 32 NFL teams. There's only 30, you know. There's only probably 300 of those people. But yet, there's thousands of people every year um, getting those degrees, spending 110 thousand dollars in sports marketing or whatever. I, I, I hate picking on gender studies because people like, oh, why are you picking on gender studies all the time? Oh, I don't mind. I think it's a stupid degree. I think it's almost as stupid as liberal arts and almost as stupid as just flat out communications. So I just feel like if you're going to college and you're going to spend that much money, it needs to be something specific and something that you're fully going to use when you get out of school. Now it doesn't matter what degree you have. It doesn't matter. No one actually uses their degree unless they're an attorney or a doctor or a nurse or something very specific that you need that particular training for. There's way, way, way too many options that you can just go and get any sort of job with. And how many waiters and waitresses at this point have college degrees and can't find a job? No, I I 100% agree. And there's so many people that when I was bartending that had economics degrees and like just crazy degrees in their bartending because the money in Vegas was so much better than what they would have been making as a as an economics professor at a community college or whatever. Um, for me, I guess in the future, so you, you, you brought up uh, education. And so I think a lot, and I don't know how it is in Portland, but a big thing here in Arizona is the CRT and just like just the brainwashing of kids. Like I am not usually this hardcore about my language, about the education system. I grew up in a very liberal city. We had very liberal teachers. It's always just kind of been part of the the thing. I don't really see conservatives even entering the education system. So it's all, you, you get what you're going to get, right? But it just seems like this has gone so far to the left. And so it's not even far to the left. It's just nonsensical. You're looking at fifth graders in Chicago getting condoms and being told, you know, how about birth control and incentivizing sex. And it's like, I hate being the pearl clutching Christian on this moment, but it's like at a certain point, you're like fifth graders, come on guys. Or, uh, you know, teaching these students that, you know, they're morally evil because of the color of their skin or, um, you know, that they'll never make it as far in life because they have the man putting them down and that they can blame white people for the reason why they're, they're not going to succeed. It's just like this stuff is getting absolutely insane. A lot of states have, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say a lot of states have banned this kind of stuff. I know this is kind of something for conservatives, but parents in general, as somebody who is a parent, is this something that's kind of more being more mainstream across all different areas or is this 
something that, you know, just like a conservative fringe thing that, that just happens to be going on. And I just happen to be more in tune with it than other people. No, I think it's going on everywhere. I think that um, people are starting to catch on to what their kids are coming home with. And obviously the people that are, are brainwashed and think the same that believe in stuff like, you know, CRT, uh, like here in Portland, um, there's a lot of people that do buy onto it, but there's a lot of people that don't. Um, I am about to attend a school board meeting. Actually, my son does want to go back to school and I do not want to send him back, but um, I told him if they didn't, uh, if they didn't make the kids wear masks this year, then we would entertain it, and then we would talk about, you know, what they're teaching, and I would keep an eye on it and volunteer. So, I I do plan on going though and bringing it up because I was watching a school board meeting. There was masks being brought up, but there was also a lot of virtue signaling, CRT type stuff too, and so. I'm probably going to be that mom that goes and is like, okay, this is why this is toxic. I happen to be reading this book right now by Joe Dispenza. It's called Placebo. Um, And it's all about, you know, uh, training your brain and how we have the power in our own brains to um, create certain situations. And he – in one of the chapters, he was literally just talking about how they did a study quite a few years ago um, on uh, – they did one with women and they did one with uh, black uh, kids and how if you are told something like – if we're told something that is a stereotype, then when we go in to take a test or whatever, that stereotype that we have embedded into our brains directly affects the outcome of our testing. And so in both the women and the men, or and the, the black kids, um, they told women that men are, they're taking a math test and they said men are scored higher in math because it's something they're genetically prone to do with one group of women. And then with the other group of women, they they told these women that um, men score higher on their tests for like a completely different reason um, that has nothing to do with a genetic thing, right? There, It wasn't geared towards a stereotype. All the women that were told it was a stereotype and told that they're, they weren't genetically prone to it. They um, they did well. The ones that didn't believe that they couldn't because of their genetics. The ones that took the test that were told that you're not you're genetically prone to suck at this. They all did suck, and the same exact thing happened with the black kids. They did one group where it was like um, you know they told black kids that. The stereotype is that they're going to do worse on this test than the white kids. And then with the other one, it was just they didn't tell them anything. And they ended up you couldn't tell the difference between the two scores. The black kids and the white kids did the same. And a lot of the black kids did better. But because they weren't told, like the other group that said, oh, well, you're just not as smart (laughs) – all of those kids scored lower than the white kids. And I think that that is a huge – it's 
it's a huge thing that our education system and our society is missing right now. When you tell someone that they can't do something, they're going to start believing that they can't do it. And so in what world did we end up in this place where it was it's okay to tell someone that they can't? And that's what CRT is to me. It's saying, okay, look, you know, you're, you're black, so you're just dispositioned to have less. So we need to give you these special whatever. That, that's not encouraging. <laughs> when did this happen and when did that become okay? For me on this issue, it's just like I, I play the scenario out in my head with conservatives and I don't know where it's going to go because it, it just seems like a lot of conservative parents that I'm talking to, I'm kind of at the age where about a majority of my my friends are parents. And so they're talking about homeschooling their kids, putting them in charter schools, putting them in uh, private schools or, or, or doing distance learning or whatever um, with all the CRTs going on with the mask stuff that just with the liberal agenda in general, they're just not comfortable with sending their kids. What I'm afraid of is the backlash for education of higher education on those choices, right? Where like we already know that places like Harvard, Yale, even some of the PAC 12 schools or some of the lesser schools kind of look down on homeschool kids and charter school kids and private school kids because they feel like, sometimes the curriculum is fluffed a little bit because their parents have a lot more influence in those schools than, you know, the standardized testing or whatever. Um, is there a cons in, in, I guess in the other parents that you talk to, is there a concern that like this is going to affect college? And I guess, I guess also the other side of the argument is I, I feel like a lot of those same parents are just going, telling their kids, well, for the first time in a couple generations, college isn't really necessary to be successful in this country. So. Yeah, I don't, so. I don't think it's a big deal. I think that, um, I think that college needs to end anyways, the way, the way it, the way it is. Um, and I think that we put way too much importance on college when it's like, when everyone has a degree, they start to mean nothing, right? Um, I was actually, I had a client from Spain and she was talking about how they get college for free or whatever. And if you want to actually go anywhere and do anything and have an important good job, you basically have to have a PhD and that you have to pay for. So like just because college might be free or whatever, like if you make it too accessible and everybody has one, then it starts to mean nothing. And I think that that's where we're at. Everybody's in debt. Everyone has a degree. It, honestly, it means jack shit. And so we need to reverse that because once again, they've made it just another business and us parents need to stop paying for that bullshit, right? Like okay, so how many parents are helping their kids take out loans? How many um, how many parents are shelling out thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to send their kids to liberal indoctrination camps? I mean, that's really all there. There's tons of private colleges out there. Start going to those. Um, I think that as conservative parents, we have the power. If we all pulled our fucking kids out of school at once, we have the power to crash the public school system. It's just that we don't mobilize like that, but we need to. 
right? If every single conservative who has a um, elementary to high school kid decided to pull their kid out, do you know how fast the public school system would crumble? They get paid per child. If they had half the enrollment, they wouldn't be able to pay for jack shit. So I think like, yeah, we need to start standing up and saying either you start changing or all of us are going to pull out and it's going to be like a collective unit. Um, and that's the way that we make a big impact. You know, can we mobilize like that? Probably not, but it would be nice. It would be, uh, it would be ideal. But I think that we need to really emphasize that it doesn't, you can make money tons of ways now. I mean, your 10 year old could start a fucking YouTube channel and start making money. You know, like it's, there's, there's tons of ways to make money and we need to, you know, start helping your kids think outside of the box and trade schools. They mean a lot too. For me. And I, I guess a point that you hit hard for me was, um, the mobilization of the conservative movement has just been I guess for a lack of better terms, dog shit, right? And um, this parent showing up to school board meetings for the first time, at least my lifetime, this is the most mobilized I've seen conservatives on an issue ever. Like, and what's crazy is you're not really getting a lot of pushback on it. Like, this is something that I thought that conservative parents would show up to the schools and all the liberal parents would just fight back on this. And it just seems like conservative parents and conservative, you know, teachers and all and, and legislatures are running the table on these educational issues, ousting school board members, getting this stuff thrown out. And for somebody who's a grassroots field guy, that's just my background. I, that's what I love is talking to the everyday people. I hate the legislators. I hate dealing with the establishment Republicans and all of that. Do you think it's going to be uh, like the change of the leadership of the conservative party is going to go from uh, top down to basically a bottom up where we're going to have all these local leaders in their communities, basically like, you know, uh, and I hate to say this, but like Charlie Kirk in Arizona what he does for Arizona and the Phoenix area for school and education and, you know, standing up for vax rights and all that stuff. Is there going to have to be a Krista Hilton in Portland and she's just doing everything. Like there's just going to have to, for people who are listening, it's just, there's just going to have to be somebody in your community and might have to be you that's organizing all these things because it can only, if we're trying to get every school and every single parent, and it just seems like a big elephant to try and take a bite out of, but if we're all just like, okay, you know what? Well, let's work on Portland. Let's take all our conservative kids out of Portland. That's it. Like, that's that's doable. That's something that I feel like people can do. Or like, hey, um, we're all gonna go to Eugene, and we're just gonna we're tired of this shit, right? So like, um, where I I guess for the grassroots efforts, is, is it is it time for just conservatives just kind of pull out of the culture? A hundred percent. Like it it just seems like there's there's no there's no benefit in, in, in being in it anymore. No, there's not. And you know what? There's more of us than them. So like even moderates at this point, like I don't even consider myself a full-on conservative, but I definitely don't identify with a leftist or a liberal, you know? And so I think like we, we just pegged ourselves as a silent majority for so long um, because we want to get canceled or whatever. And and the movement now of people not caring if they're going to be canceled and realizing that, no, we're actually the majority. 
um, is really something that is inspiring and we need to keep pushing and keep pulling people out of the closet because um, this grassroots and, and com community organizing is really the only way we're going to make a difference because we can't just go and, you know, storm the Capitol <laughs> all the time, right? Um, that didn't really do anything, but we need to make a difference in our own community and we need to say, hey, look, um, sorry, we're not okay with that. You might want it to be, but we're not, we're not fine with that and, and we're the majority, so... No, we're not going to wear masks in the grocery store, and we're also not going to send our kids to a school that um, requires them, and we're also not going to allow our white kids to feel like they're, you know, um, they're being demonized, and we're not going to tell black kids that they are worthless. So but that's just not how we're going to do things. Sorry. <laughs> you're, you're canceled. We're, you're canceled We're definitely now. seeing that a lot Bye. in, I guess, like in, in more of a – regional basis right now like the the culture of arizona in general and of texas and florida are completely different from the rest of the country it feels like like when i traveled when we we went to huntington the other day it just like everything i hear about california you're like oh man all these lockdowns everything's doom, doom and gloom, and then you go to like a conservative area like huntington beach and you're like this this is this is arizona with the with the beach like it, it, it's not so bad here and so like the local leadership is really dictating whether or not they're shielding people from this kind of stuff and it, it, for me it's just a matter of like i hate to be the guy but just like conservative thing to nut up or shut up like at a point at a certain point i agree i agree i agree i think conservatives um have done themselves a very 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 large disservice uh, but, you know, they're starting to wake up and be like, all right, well, wait a minute. <laughs> We've bent over for too long. <laughs> it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time before there's like to before we're to the point of no return. Right. And I think that we were teetering on the point of no return. But I honestly think that um, Trump losing was one of the best things that could have happened even though I don't really think he lost, but um, the election being stolen or whatever um, was probably the best thing ever to happen because it finally got the conservatives to wake the fuck up and be like, okay, wait a minute, hold on, we should probably volunteer <laughs> for elections. We should probably get people registered to vote. We should probably stand up for our kids in school and not let them be liberally indoctrinated. Like, I don't think that all of this would have come to a head had he have taken office again. I think it's the fire that lit under everybody's butts. And so to kind of go back to you, basically all of these, all of these subjects come to the impact of, of the January 6th commissions. And this is kind of where I'm nervous, where you're starting to see, you know, people calling for like Patriot Act type stuff on monitoring text messaging, monitoring social media use. We're seeing a, a giant crackdown by social media on conservatives in general where it's like you have the right to speech but not the right to reach or whatever um do you think um this is just something that conservatives are going to have to swallow in general because they elected weak conservatives in 2020 and then 2022 it's just going to have to come back full force and it's just we're this is going to be something that it's going to get worse before it gets better but this getting worse 
is is going to be obviously a good thing because it's going to wake more and more people up. I I know we talked in October of last year and I was like, man, it seems like a lot more people are waking up because of this COVID stuff. And like just since then, it's like a lot of my liberal friends are like, yeah, this is this is kind of this is kind of garbage. This is insane. Yeah. Well, I thought it was really interesting that um, so not only was I in Huntington, but I spent almost three weeks in California. And I was in San Diego. Um, my mom was in Encinitas. So I was down there. And then um, I spent like a week in Newport Beach and also in LA. And um, I mean, we went to SeaWorld also. <laughs> like No masks. No. Oh, everyone's over it completely over it. And it was not like the people were more out and about and doing things in Southern California than in Portland. And I was shocked, to be honest, um, because I hadn't been down there in a while. My mom, you know, she had just moved down there. She's like, yeah, nobody cares anymore. Like, we're not on lockdown, blah, blah, blah. But I, I hadn't actually seen it for myself. So I thought that was really, really, really interesting. So our major takeaway basically is that they're drumming up that there is a lot more support for this kind of stuff than there really there really is. And I think we're going to see these measures 100% in 2022. Um, we're kind of running a little, a little bit low on time, but if people want to follow you, find out more about Krista, you know, what are you doing lately? Where should they go? And, and all that stuff. Go ahead and plug your stuff. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram at the Krista Hilton. And then, um, I also have a podcast called the drunk politics podcast. You can find us on Apple podcasts or Spotify. And then, um, also we have a YouTube channel and, uh, we have a, a website drunk politics. Awesome. Thank you so much, Krista. It was such a pleasure. Always, always a, a great time. So Thanks for coming on. Uh, everybody, make sure that you like, subscribe, leave a review. We're going to be exclusively on Rumble now and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're just not going to give YouTube our, our business anymore. Um, and, you know, make sure you go follow Krista on all of her stuff. If you think I'm great, she's so much better than me. Um, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you again tomorrow with uh, more stuff. So wait, can't wait to see you until tomorrow.